0: Dear Debbie, thank you so much for being willing to speak to me today. I know that you are not feeling your greatest at the moment. And that's why I really, really appreciate you making the time and being willing to share your story with us. I've met you through a mutual friend and I don't know you very long. I don't know all the details of everything that's happened, but that's why I thought it would be so great to speak to you today, to tell your story, because the bit that I know already of you and what I could see on your social media is that you have been taking the health challenges that you've been faced in the last few years with such a lot of courage and you have just been so open about challenges that you face and you are treating it so well and i think you are such an inspiration for anybody who might go through any other challenges and and that's why we have you here today so thank you so much for for making the time to be here
1: thank you so much Liesl thank you for inviting me Thank you for those words already. (laughs) You're going to make me laugh already. (laughs) But it's really, it's humbling to be here and thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. So, Didi, I think we need to start with with obviously your story and how everything started and who Debbie was a few years ago before you started having some health challenges. So um, take us back a little bit to your background. So you are a fellow South African, of course, mm-hmm. and you from the um from KwaZulu Natal, which is on the East Coast of South Africa. Thanks so much. Yes, I'm from KZN.
1: I was born there in Durban, 44 years ago, <laughs> um, and I lived in the suburb of Westville for most of my life. It was a wonderful community. I went to the same schools and church and shops and um, a real sense of family, living there for basically 40 years of my life. So, um, yeah, very happy upbringing. Um, that's where I got my sense of community, and I, I really enjoyed it. It became my little bubble and comfort zone. Well, you know everyone by name, and it really meant a lot to me. Again, already from then, you get to know people's stories and their lives. You see them on a daily basis. Um, and after school, um, I worked and studied. Um, and I worked at a pharmacy, actually an emergency pharmacy, that was open in the evenings. And that's yeah, was meant to be because next door, they built a little nightclub. And my friend, a very good friend of mine, Helen, and I used to love dancing. We just went anywhere where you could dance the night away. And one evening at that nightclub next door to my work, I met my now husband on the dance floor. (laughs) So (laughs) that began a journey. And after a few years, last year we celebrated 20 years of marriage. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank
0: you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. So that's quite a journey all on its own. But so from, yeah, we stayed also same state in KZN. He's also from KZN. We've never left the two of us and we got married. And then, sure, I mean, next step often people expect would be children. Um, and that was our first and my first big laugh. How can I call it? Plot twist <laughs> in that um, children didn't come naturally. And that began a journey um, that was unexpected. My husband and I, we battled the infertility for several years. Um, We tried everything from your complementary natural medications, which I always preferred and turned to first, um, right the way through eventually to IVF, your in vitro fertilization. That at the time, it's something you only read about in magazines. You never dream it's going to be you. especially back um, back in my day, it makes me sound old, but all those years ago, it wasn't a very open topic like today. Um, we went through that journey um, and it was hard. A lot of physical sacrifice, some financial sacrifices, to be honest. Emotionally, it's very taxing. Um, drugs, injections, surgeries, and ultimately heartbreak, Um. I won't go into a lot of detail, but that began a journey of just finding a different kind of inner strength that I never knew I would need or have. I suffered multiple miscarriages. Um, it was very hard. I became very bitter at times, um, very, very broken, a um, lot of despair, um, a really dark place, especially for a lady <laughs> when that's not coming Eventually,
0: at that time, did, did anybody else really know that you were going through it? Because, um, I mean, we're basically, well, we are the same age. And uh, yeah. I can very much relate with what you say that, um, you know, <laughs> in those days when we were growing up, you know, I just thought if you want children, you have children, you know. So I, I never knew the complexities of maybe not being able to. And I've seen so many of my friends really... <laughs> um that had issues um and 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 really struggled to to fall pregnant and I was actually quite it was an eye-opener in my 20s and 30s how many people struggled with that but also how and I think it's just it just brought up the same thought to me like people don't really they never really talked about it as much so Mm -hmm. did anybody know what you were going through or was it very much something you just had to carry by yourself? No, I'm very,
1: very private that way, especially back then. And no, in the beginning nobody knew for years. <laughs> um, right the way up to actually my miscarriage, which was sure, like three years into it already. Um, nobody knew. You would just feel those questions that came, like, why don't you have children? And you can always say, There's plenty of time. I never wanted anyone to know, especially that topic. It wasn't talked about. I didn't know anyone else who was going through it. We were quite young when we got married it, um, and so no nobody knew but eventually i'm very good at like i say putting on a mask especially back then now i'm the opposite like i'm like take get rid of masks be real and raw but back then you would never guess that i was suffering i would go to the bathroom like at a restaurant for dinner inject myself in the bathroom with the hormones come out nobody would know what was wrong i just pretend to powder my nose not that even wear makeup, <laughs> but like you just like let me go do something. And it was only eventually when I was miscarrying it's something that was so traumatic that I couldn't hide it anymore. And I felt this is the time now to share what had been happening. Mm-hmm. And writing came out of this journey for me, sharing and expressing. And that's actually how I did it. I I just sat down and I wrote a long letter. Um, to everybody, to explain what we'd been through, to explain what I was going through at that time. Because, sure, with the IVF, eventually we got to the stage where I was pregnant with twins for a few weeks and, you know, it was all going well. And to miscarry those twins, sure, I can't even begin to explain yes. the depths yes. of despair and being on that bathroom floor questioning. Everything questioning how far along you were when you lost them, it was about two months, which is early, it was early but still, when you go through this journey and with IVF, you literally see the embryos you know implanted in you like on the screen, it's incredible. So, life is there right from there, you know, it's not like you naturally pregnant and you don't know until four weeks or five weeks. So I knew from day one, I saw them growing for five days before they were in me. So it was very much, yeah, a very hard time. Okay. And as a woman, like I said, everyone around you is pregnant. And then obviously we did, we shared it. Um, and that comes even now when I share my story with its own set of risks, being vulnerable, you know, the people understand your journey, others question, others think it should be kept private. It's very hard. Exposing yourself. But like you said, you don't know people going through it until you share your story. And because I did that, people then came forward and started sharing with me. And this became my ministry at the time for many years. I almost became not that it's a title you want, but like the face of infertility in my community because I was that almost the poster child and I talked about it and I wrote about it and I. I counsel people informally. I was in a lot of magazines. And it, like you say, people came out the woodwork who didn't want anyone to know except me. Like I carried this burden with people who you would never expect would be going through such trauma. They hide it so well. Mm-hmm. And God just really used that time now to start, yeah, cultivating, perhaps preparing me. I'm not sure for what was to come. Um, and eventually, I mean, I miscarried again after that. And we had to eventually just draw a line in the sand. You know, you just can't go on. For me, it's just emotionally, if nothing else, I, I couldn't endure that anymore. And we just came to that conclusion that if it's just us, that that's okay. It's We're still a family. And, yeah, from that, um, I can't say it was easy. I still went into, like, quite a pits of depression if I can say after that mm-hmm. um, just to explain always comes to my head but it's such a turning point I feel literally when I was on the bathroom floor that evening miscarrying and questioning God like please stop this physically <laughs> I overshare that's just me but literally you want something to stop it and um, I finally understood like what it means to be depressed and not want to go on anymore. It's something I never understood before. Um, I had my father actually took his life a few years before that. And it's something I never, never fully understood. I don't know if we ever can, but how can someone not want to live when there's so much to live for yet? Like I said, in that moment, mm-hmm. uh, God, like used that moment and I suddenly understood. I was like, I get it, dad. And that's, released like a whole different not even a burden but like I I got it like this is where people get and ever since then I've got such empathy for people who who do suffer no matter what pain is like universal to me because I've been there and I thought I don't want to carry on either like this is all I've wanted and now this is taken and um and God, like I say, is my rock in my life. And even then, I'm like, if my God is not stopping this and taking this from me, then I don't want anything to do with him either. I just had such questions and it was in a very dark place. Um, so it took a while to come out from that. But I had to decide like something almost drastic. I was like, how am I going to distract myself? Now pick yourself up and carry on. Um, and through that, I decided every year, to try something new that I might never have done, simple things, nothing extravagant. But um, I would, like I say, I was quite a shy person. But this brought out a new me that I never knew was there. And I just wanted to meet people and share stories and use my pain at the time. Pain to purpose was like, what can you say? Almost a mantra I came up with, <laughs> and um, and that's what I did. I I. Opened our local newspaper and I joined a local theatre club for a year and, you know, did a dancing role in that, which I never would have done. I was very shy. The year after that, like Hollywood films, like extras running in the background, you know, silly things like that. All cultural things. I wrote all my little emails and journal entries into a self-published little book about my infertility journey um so it was all yeah one year after the next just not to focus you know on what I had lost
0: and just focus on what I still had it sounds like you made a specific deliberate decision to to get other things in your life and other experiences you know but you maybe wouldn't have done and you know and get involved in different things and touch other people as well you published self-published a little book with all your journal entries and things. (laughs) Is that available? Um, You know, do you still have that? I
1: do. At the time, it's quite funny. Like I say, it's back in the day. I never thought anyone would read it. It was just for myself to put all my little emails and little journal entries into one little, like, compartment to keep as a keepsake. Because I used to just burn my journals, to be honest, because my thoughts are so dark. I always used to write and then I thought no one was ever read this. Um, so I literally typed it up and it was an American platform, like everything in U.S. dollars. And I remember, you, you know, you had to get like 80 pages of this little A5 book to get a cover like and a spinal title. So I used to just fill empty spaces with like notes and silly things. But I did publish it. They sent me a copy. I think an our rand value. It was 120 rand at the time when you converted the dollars, which was quite expensive for me in those days. But, um, and this little book that was meant to be just for me, um, ended up being, yeah, published a couple times, a couple copies, <laughs> because eventually a family member and then a friend and something so humble actually ended up spreading. And I think I printed about 200 in the end, all in dollars, all from overseas, mm-hmm. because that's just how I knew the system worked. I was very naive, but yes, I. I do still have a few copies and it comes up every now and then. Um and then yes, I just ask people if they want to just cover the cost it was back then or I just give it away.
0: It's it's funny how again God just uses something like that. Perhaps a tool you know that that really people can benefit from and can, can mean a lot to people. So I think you need to you need to keep that going. Then you started to do different things and I know one of those things was running, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: After all the the cultural things, I did think to myself, okay, now I need to try something very different, something sports related. I was never sporty, even at school, very academic. And I thought the easiest thing to do would be running because it just seemed like a sport that's easy. You just need techies you go outside, and there we are. So I think it was my early thirties. I decided, okay, running is going to be it just for one year. It, all these things I did was just one year and then we changed. Um, and then running became yeah, more than a hobby for me in the end. It was like, I made a whole new group of people, the sense of community, the lifestyle. Um, it helped me to stay positive and motivated. And that year I did, I walked into a running club. I said, I want to start running. Um, I did a marathon. Everyone at the time, especially living in KZN, was training for the Comrades Marathon. So I joined them on lots of their runs. I think I was their biggest supporter and fan. And it was amazing. Um, And at the end of that year, they said to me, well, why don't you hang around and next year, why don't you try the Comrades? And I thought it was absolutely crazy because I'd watched the race growing up. If you come from KZN, especially South Africa, you you know all about it. And I thought those people were nuts, but eventually I became one of the nutters. (laughs) (laughs) Because the following year, yeah, I did. I thought, okay, let me give this a bash. (laughs) Next year, just once, let me run the comrades um, and that'll be my challenge for next year. And then I'll move on to the next thing. And I did it, I trained. Um, It was a down run from Pietermaritzburg to Durban. And I was one of those people you see on TV who's battling near the end. Um, it was a journey, sure, like no other. I can't even begin to explain what running taught me, but I made the finish um, by 13 minutes. Um, 11 hours
0: and 47 minutes on the road can change somebody. Just if somebody um, go, it's 90 kilometers. That is in miles. What is it in miles? 56 miles, 60 miles I worked out the other day, I think. But yeah, it's a 90 kilometers race. I mean, it's an ultra marathon. It's not just a marathon. <laughs> uh, it's a marathon.
1: So I did the down run, and then yeah, just to speed things along, the following year you can do a back to back, which means you've got to run up, and you get an extra medal if you do two years in a row, one way up, one way down. Mm-hmm. So I was convinced by everyone just do one more year, run up, which I did, and I got my back to back medal. Um, and then I stuck to my word, everyone's like, you've got to keep going, you you know, do this. But I said, no, I said, you know, I've done the challenge, I've done an up run and a down run, I need something new now. Yeah. And since I love the sporting, like, you know, world I had joined, I just thought, now what is the next most drastic thing that Debbie can do? You know, because I still always was just trying to find new community, new people, I wanted a different challenge now. And so the most drastic thing I did, just to be brief, was um, I used to, again, in the newspaper, we saw bodybuilding pictures of wow. someone <laughs> you don't even see ready in a costume. And I was like, now this is a community I know nothing about. Um, same thing. It's quite stereotyped. People have misconceptions about it. I need to enter this community for a year and see what it's about and enter a novice bodybuilding competition. So <laughs> it was crazy. That can be another podcast on its own another day. But I did, um, I entered the novice KZN bodybuilding. I didn't do running that year. I went to the gym and I joined all these like, scary people in the weight section, very different to the cardio and the running I had done. And they all thought I was quite funny. I must admit this tiny little girl and she doesn't know what she's doing. I was also older now, you know, heading to mid thirties, which was quite old to begin in that industry. <laughs> Um, But I did it, and I believe I made a difference there. And I, like with the infertility, changed people's perception and opinions. You know, we all judge from (laughs) what people look like, but everyone's human. These are normal people (laughs) as well. There's nothing scary about it. And I actually met amazing people who I'm still good friends with today. And I did quite well. Again, I think God used me there. Um, It opened my eyes. I learned a lot. And it didn't last a year. After that year of doing as many competitions as I could, um, I was placed in the top three in the novice category. I did well, and I thought, actually, I must do this next year. But then also, it was the 90th running of the Comrades. So that was a special one. So now I was conflicted with these two worlds, and maybe that should be the challenge. So the following year, I think I became the first athlete they knew on stage who would be training for the Comrades Marathon and for bodybuilding competitions. I so did- I did both. <laughs> yeah, so I did both and I did quite well. And that went on for about four years. I ended up in the end, I've done six comrades marathons and about five years of bodybuilding. Those next five years were both the sports. I did both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, before I had to stop, yeah, I got my in provincial college.
0: <laughs> so just asking which um which years with this this was like um when so- I was- 15, 15, 15, 15. yeah it was like
1: 2015 16 17 2018 i i were qualified for the sa champs in johannesburg
0: and where and the, bodybuilding
1: live- the bodybuilding <laughs> <laughs> i've been in Joburg now three years after living in durban And, yeah, I came up to Johannesburg, competed in the South African Champs and placed third in my category. (laughs) So it was something I would never imagine for someone. I know the listeners can't see. I'm very pale. I'm very normal. Don't wear makeup. (laughs) But you spray tan. You have lots of makeup. It was just like a different world. But you're the same person inside. And it was just an incredible few years. And then, um, sure, being very fit, very athletic, um, I turn 40, which now is meant to be a whole new phase of your life. Um, the infertility stuff was always in the background. Even today, it's not something you can ever leave behind. Um, it's always there. And I get moments where all I want is to be a mom and I question again. And I go back to that place. I think we all know life's a journey. I don't think you ever, how can I say, make it <laughs> you. You just keep going through that those tunnels. Like there's just um, you know how it says there's light at the end of the
0: tunnel? Mm-hmm. I concluded there's just more tunnel. <laughs> there's always more tunnel. I think it's just um, you know, life is not really a destination. Life is a journey. Maybe that's the similar yeah, thing. Yeah. Um you never get, get to exactly that final destination because you might do this journey and then that leads to another tunnel, another journey, and another tunnel and another um thing yeah but, but um I know we are just very much in the middle still of your journey but I just want to say at this point I mean Debbie the stuff that you've done and the amazing things you've already done even before you did 40 is just so inspirational and amazing all the different things you know just showed how much you I think try to get you know just live your life and 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 draw from every different experience you can have I think it's amazing how you threw yourself into experiencing different things okay so then you turned 14
1: yes and sure it's meant to be a whole new chapter in your life like they say what do they say life begins at 40 but I've lived such a life already <laughs> um but I had high hopes obviously it's just another new another challenge um I had qualified for the comrades at the end of the year. Be- you know, I turned 14 in the December and I was like, wow, 2020, here we come again. Meanwhile, 2020, I'm sure that sets alarm bells for everyone, became the COVID year. So that's a loan we never knew was coming. But before that, um, in the February, before the March, when COVID hit the world, <laughs> um, I had my own <laughs> plot twist again. Um, and after running a race, suddenly became quite ill the week after. After Blue, it started just with something simple. As a runner, you might know too, I had swollen ankles. You think it's just, well, I ran too hard, bit of dehydration, you know, nothing too unusual. But those swollen ankles <laughs> grew and grew. And in typical Deb style, um, I'm kind of the opposite of a hypochondriac. I don't complain. I let things go for a long time before you'll know I'm suffering. But when I couldn't put my slippers on, <laughs> and I had big rolls and around my ankles, I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is not going down. Maybe I need to have it seen too." Um, and at that stage, like I say, my sense of humor, besides my faith in God, <laughs> gets me through everything. And I was like sticking my thumb in, you know, in the edema that had developed in the skin. It sounds disgusting, but it really was quite bad. So when I went to the doctor, he he freaked out, like, why haven't you come before? And they thought straight away it was to do with my heart, because that's a typical symptom of what I was presenting. Um, and that also just became a very long journey of mystery about why this was happening. He ran a whole lot of blood tests. Most stuff came back fine, except it showed that I had no iron in my body, so he was quite concerned there must be a beating somewhere had I had a trauma accident, which I hadn't had. So he put me on an iron supplement and if that didn't help. So then COVID hit and all sorts was happening. I still wanted to run I was training now for comrades. So at the end of February, I had a marathon i had entered. So even though I wasn't that well, I was like, I'm going to run this marathon because I've committed and I don't give up. Um, And it was the most painful run I had ever done. And that's when I realized how sick I was. Every step was like thorns going through my body. I was in a lot of pain. I was like, no, something's very off.
0: You know, I need to have further investigation. (laughs) It happened out of the blue. Like you've never had any issues running, never had any, any health problems at all. You're running in your other comrades marathons and everything. Well, that's the thing when you look
1: back a little bit before that there were signs coming <laughs> aren't they always but as ladies and the human race in general sometimes we learn to numb things and um sure i just pushed through because there were signs before i was getting a bit like out of breath um when i was running my heart was racing often there was a lot of pain um
0: i used to think it was just stress <laughs> you know we put everything down to stress a strong resilient person you know and somebody who doesn't give up you probably just push for it because you thought it's just tough i can do this let me go through it you know so yeah. I, I've unfortunately
1: i've got a very good um relationship with pain <laughs> we're quite good friends so i just embrace it and i push through be it mental or physical um, so I did have signs. I was a bit more fatigued. I was, like I say, out of breath. I used to get very deep burning in my chest and back. I used to sit on a, in a fetal position on the bed and rock myself for half an hour with these waves of pain. But again, you can always, I thought it was just like I say, a stress thing, or I ate something funny, or I'm just tired, or etc. So eventually the doctor sent me to a specialist to cut that story short. Um, and he, again, he saw my ankles, which by now had gone down a lot and he freaked and this is a gastro specialist. And I was like, wow, you should have seen it back in, you know, when it was bad, this is nothing, this is normal now. So every time it's just become a pattern, I go to a doctor, they think I'm like crazy and I'm this weird phenomenon because they've never seen things present like they do in my body and the person they see and then the person on paper, it just doesn't make sense to them because they always like. But why are you so awake when your levels show you should be tired and you should hardly be standing? You know, And I'm like, well, it's my mind. I just program myself. It becomes a new normal, which isn't really good, but it's, I guess, my coping mechanism. But in the end, this doctor went internally. He believed there must be bleeding internally for me to have no iron left in me. And they did find internal bleeding my whole stomach because by this stage, I'd also lost a lot of weight. That was a big symptom that was coming and coming. I got very skinny, like lots of kgs off, which I'm still now, you know, three years later building again. Um, And it was quite frightening. I did become very frail. In the end, I was getting quite sick by this stage and my whole stomach lining he found was lined with ulcers, bleeding ulcers, and it had already eroded my stomach lining, which is why I wasn't absorbing any nutrients like malabsorption, That explained the anemia because of the iron loss and the bleeding and the weight loss um, and the pain and the acid and everything explained um and they were like close to bursting it was quite disgusting we won't go into detail but he even said you're very lucky because if it had burst you know it could almost be fatal you know with these ulcers um and i had pushed too long and my heart was suffering a lot because under strain from the anemia hence you know, my ankles swelling up, um, the protein and fluids were leaking into the tissue. Hence, I was becoming, you know, very swollen. <laughs> I was very sick, actually, and I didn't think I realized it at the time, although I could physically see it in the mirror when you actually had a good look. You're like, wow. But when it happens slowly, you don't you don't pay attention. Anyway, um, so I was given iron supplements. We sorted, you know, sealed me up like tablets for the ulcers. And at the end of that year, unfortunately, when I was told, don't stress, take it easy. But with COVID, my husband ended up losing his job and we had to leave KZN and we came to Johannesburg. Um, so I came here very sick, very frail, not looking great. I was also quite yellow. My liver had started developing issues from being so sick as well. Um, so physically, I looked <laughs> yellow, the skinny little yellow stick. who was now dropped in the middle of Joburg. <laughs> to start over. So that became a whole new challenge. Um, I'd have to find a new doctor just to like look after me. And I wasn't getting much better and didn't go to the doctor at first. It was hard to adjust to living here. And eventually I love lying outside on the grass, just something random. I love to do like a starfish in the sun, on the grass, it's all over me. I'm in my happy place. Um, and I got bitten by a spider. I left the spider bite until my finger was huge and green and gross (laughs) and I didn't go to the doctor I went to the pharmacist and I said please sort this out and he's like nope you need antibiotics but that little spider it's funny when you look back I see purpose in everything on the grass that day That spider bite, in a way, saved my life in a different way because going to the doctor, she wasn't concerned about this spider bite. She was concerned about why my hands are so yellow. Why am I so yellow? (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Anyway, she said, there's something wrong with your liver, ran tests, and my liver was very sick, to put it very bluntly and easy to understand. My liver enzymes were, through the roof, dangerous levels, like you get when you have issues and tumors and chronic liver disease. Sure, I can't explain the figures, but they were horrified, and so that began another journey. The doctor sent me to a specialist here in Johannesburg, a very yeah well-renowned doctor, and that began the last like two years sort of under this doctor with all my symptoms. Now we presented to him, lucky man, <laughs> and um, he now began investigative processes to try find out what was wrong with being so weak and frail, just to give you an example. Sorry, I'm going all over the show. I hope we can follow. (laughs) Um, My bones were obviously very weak, you know, because I was so sick, like I say, literally almost on death's doorstep more than once. My bones had started to deteriorate from being sick and being all malnourished for those two years. Like my hair was falling out, my eyebrows, eyelashes, my nails were brittle. Um, and I still battle with all these things today because it, it was only about two or three years ago. And the damage that was done then, you never really fully recover because it was so severe. Um, so even moving here, like carrying the boxes, because I don't like to watch things like that. Carrying the box cracked my ribs, you know, and I was like, oh, my word, but I'm good with pain. So, yeah, I carried on with life, cracked ribs. end of that year same thing with a very lovely i love hugs asking my husband to give me the tightest squeeze in the world when he came home one day um and i ended up cracking my sternum if you've ever heard of something so ridiculous that's how weak i was that's That's that's, right and that was bad i I honestly thought i was like going to die at the time i thought his cell phone was in his shirt pockets and had gone through me that's what it felt like and when he let me go he's like, my phone's not in my pocket. So I'm like, well, what was that crack? And I'd fallen to the floor. Anyway, it's just another funny story in Debbie's life. But I cracked my sternum. And that was quite painful. But it's like a rib, nothing much you can do. So on you go. But I was literally that frail. It's just to give you an example, like ribs, sternum, everything was just snap, crackle, the pop and hair coming out and clumps had lots of little aerials, which I still have like as they break off, depending what the body's doing. (laughs) And so um, I was under this doctor, all these things going wrong. Um, And we didn't have a name for it though. And I wanted a name, like there's gotta be something more, we're missing something. Um, And this doctor again, he did as much as he could. I mean, I swallowed tablets, had cameras taking pictures all day in my body, like you see on, and if all, everyone knows like carte blanche, like investigative journalism, that kind of thing I was like having done because they were convinced there was something really sinister in my body. And even up to today, they're not a hundred percent sure. There's like always, there's this missing part. <laughs> so I walk
0: around a little medical mystery. I feel like a little guinea pig every time I walk into a doctor's room. <laughs> Did you know what caused those ulcers? You know, obviously these other things developed from that do you have any idea? Up until that stage, we didn't have
1: an, a name or a diagnosis. And we did a whole series of tests. And this doctor now, again, I've had so many pipes <laughs> inside from the mouth, up from the other side. Um, like I say, if I was ever shy before, I've lost <laughs> I've lost that because you have to just really, you feel like a piece of meat eventually. From the infertility days to now, it's just like <laughs> nothing shocks me. I'm the most calm, casual, patient. Like I say, my pain through running and life, my pain threshold and fatigue is so high and strong. It's like, you know, you can do anything to me and I won't flinch. It's quite, it's quite scary. But um it's quite fun as well. You have to see the funny side. Like I say, it's my funny dark sense of humor. But eventually after this is now like last year, not even that. Like, a, you know, long ago, we finally I got the diagnosis of an autoimmune disease, which is referred to as Crohn's disease, um, which is an, an inflammatory bowel disease. And that's what they put it down to. That was the ulcers. It can be caused often just by a virus. You're not sure why. And especially since mine was left, it gets worse. You are you know, um, so that was explained kind of the ulcers are a very big symptom. The inflammation, I often did get sore joints. Um. You get stars and like mouth ulcers, and there's a lot that goes on. So Crohn's disease was, yeah, the diagnosis they came up with in the end. And then um, it affects the lining of the digestive tract. So your little villi are attacked um, and you can't absorb. So treatment, it's not something that's curable. It's something you've got to manage because it is, like I say, a chronic condition for life it can go into remission you know like a lot of these diseases if you control it well you learn to manage it you learn your own body um just to put it dormant and that's what we tried to do and i'm trying to do and it's going quite well now eventually i'm learning but you also get triggered you know whether it's sure anything can trigger it especially in the stomach and i'm very sensitive in the stomach you am excited or happy or sad it's all in my tummy <laughs> um so Yeah, the bowel disease is what I have. And unfortunately, as a result of um, everything I went through, I've got chronic anemia, which is something I've also got to manage for life. Um, On top of that, my bones have deteriorated to such an extent that I had developed osteoporosis in my spine um, at this young age. And um, so the bones were effective just like, Breaking news. And as I was about to say that, Lizzo, I honestly thought that's actually a pun, breaking news, because it's to do with my bones. Oh, oh my gosh, that's so cheesy. You have I,
0: literally,
1: a humor? <laughs> I literally thought of that as I said it, it was like breaking news. Oh my goodness. And then I picture a bone. I'm like, oh, we could run with this. And then as I say that, I'm not lying. This is what happens to me running. We could run with this, and I can like. I let, yeah, I can no, write a home poem now because I love writing and poetry. This is what happens in my brain, um, especially when I'm nervous or like like I say, when I'm going through a bad patch or in pain, this is how I cope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so breaking news here only on In The Spotlight. I had my bone mineral density test. I have it every two years to test now, my bones. Um, and unfortunately, my spine has deteriorated even further which explains the pain I'm having. My one vertebra is starting to collapse and um, my hips, luckily, are hanging in. I've got osteopenia, but not quite osteoporosis yet. I mean, yeah, the pelvic area, but the top of my femur bone, which is the other area they test, um, unfortunately, that's developed osteoporosis now too. So it's quite dangerous um, and quite sad. Like I say, I'm a positive person. I always believe for the best, but literally up to this is like a week ago, I got that news and I was like, wow, it's really not great. Um, But just to like fast forward and then go back again, when I was diagnosed now that a year ago, the beginning of 2023, the doctor said to me, you have to stop running you are too sick, your heart can't take it anymore, your bones can't take it anymore. I was in hospital actually for a drip they were giving me to help with the bone. Um, It's an annual drip they can give normally all people. I was the youngest one that ever administered, which is not a proud badge to wear, but <laughs> I claim it. Um, Anyway, so... I, I had, Again, I had qualified now after missing about five years of comrades on and off with being sick and COVID and now moving. I thought, well, I'm coming back. I had started to run again in Johannesburg, was feeling all right. That's just how the journey goes up and down. Um, I qualified on the Soweto Marathon, which is something in Johannesburg I'd always heard about. So that was exciting. And then 2023, I was like, um, I'm doing this. I'm going to run. And, um, lots of people were doing it. It was a return of COVID and yet I got the diagnosis here. I was in the January in the hospital and the doctor's like, you can't run anymore. Not good for you. I don't advise it. (laughs) So I was really scared and really devastated. And I am very good in my old age. (laughs) I'm not that stubborn as a runner. You'll know, runners understand you push through pain, you push through injuries. Um, but I understood, I could see how frail I was. And I'll be honest, these are some days I, I do go through patches and I had especially then like I was like, please God, can I wake up in the morning? When I say like um I I was like feeling so weak, you know, you battle to get up the floor. Like I say, I, I was really weak. There are times where my heart literally is keeping beats or I can't catch my breath. And then I'm like, sure, I wonder if this is it. But I've got it sounds silly again, like I keep mentioning God, but I had such Piece that it almost scared me I was like it's okay like I've done all I can if this is it this is it not to be morbid but I honestly had like a piece about it but God's got a sense of humor like me I think because he's not done with me yet and he keeps making me carry on I'm like that scary monster like at Halloween I always joke like that scary little skeleton who like doesn't die you know he just keeps coming back um and but I did listen to the doctor I was like okay my life is more important than running. Even though that was taking away something, not that I wasn't like, it wasn't the running itself, it was all it stood for, it was symbolic for me. You know, after all I've been through running, it did help to save me and it, it was my community and my friendship circles and where I shared stories on runs and you can be vulnerable and it was the most beautiful passion. I don't have to run, I'm like I get to run and I, I, I just love it. So for a doctor to tell me you, you're not gonna ever run again, I was like, wow, but I listened. I literally went from okay in, in January last year. I was like, wow, uh, like with the infertility, <clears throat> excuse my voice. I'll contain myself and get <laughs> won't get emotional. Um, I wrote a letter now to my running community and my running groups. In here in Joburg, we joined our local four-ways running club, and there's another group called the JP runners, and they were literally my family and my Lifeline, when we moved to Joburg, the community for sports and running is amazing. They became our friends here. And so I wrote letters to both of them. And I just said, I've been told I'm never allowed to run again. um, And this is it. And I'll just be supporting you. I just want you all to know. And so I listened to this doctor. And I was under a specialist last year. And um, sure, it was hard, very hard. Um, But I accepted it eventually, although you have good days and bad days and I thought well if I can't run I was allowed to walk (laughs) in typical Debbie style eventually I was like where is the positive in here but then I didn't just want to walk of course I was like well there's race walking I still wanted to be a part of a team (laughs) and wear my club colors and you know join in Mm -hmm. so I started race walking (laughs) and I did quite well at it um so it wasn't the running, but again, you have to focus on what you can do, not what you can't. Um, It's not easy. It still isn't easy today, um, but it's a choice. Like I said, every day you've got to choose. I was like, well, I'm going to go back to despair, back to that place where I was, you know, I can, and I have days like that, Liesl, where I'm like, Hey, you took away children. I can't have children. Or you took away my father. You took away my ability now to run when I finally found that. You took away my whole community and family and moved me to Johannesburg to start again. You took away this, but all the time, like God's still there. Even when you don't feel it or see it, He is working behind the scenes. And I believe, like, I was meant to come to Joburg when I look back. I was meant to meet the people that I've met. And I listened to the doctor. I began race walking. So I met a whole new community again. You know, like So I was able to once again embrace new people I would never have met, whole new game. And that was going well. I still wasn't well, but I've learned to manage it. I was on iron supplements, calcium supplements. I'm meant to be on chronic like, pain medication for my Crohn's and things, but I'm good with pain. So, so far, I'm not on anything for that. Um, but then my body, like I say, I was still so weak And eventually it was like, this is too much. Even with the walking, um, I ended up getting a fracture in my leg, kind of out the blue, um, and my tibia just fractured. And I wasn't even running. And that's again, and this is like six months ago, I thought, sure, wow, I'm that weak that I can't even walk and my bones are crumbling. And again, it was such an eye-opening, scary experience because I can't explain to be put into a moon boot. (laughs) And crutches now. And that was it. And I was like, wow, maybe I have to give up now. Like, there's nothing more, like, you can't keep fighting. I have to accept that I need to go and just be and be quiet and sit. But deep down, as sick as my gut is, <laughs> you can still follow your gut sometimes <laughs> because, um <laughs> see, there we go again. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. My gut told me, like, there's more to that you can do. You know how you feel like you put your life in somebody's hands even if it's the doctors or medical i know i've got this for life but i and i'm someone who does all i can and i felt i was doing all i can and i'm not getting better and i don't understand there must be more like that i can do to get better i can't just be fracturing like this again and i'm not even running like i might as well have been running and i went through a whole different mess up again like i say i'm only human and um yeah, I still, like I say, every day you grapple with things. It, um, you're never going to arrive at that perfect place. Um, and so with that diagnosis, I was now in a moon boot for the three months last year. And during that time, I did more research and soul searching. And I was like, I need to find someone else who gets this, who gets me medically as well. And there's got to be something new to try. I need to try something new like give it one more bash to just manage this a bit better because I can't be this week. And yet, you know, this whole year has gone by and I'm doing what I should and I'm getting worse. And I started to feel like there's not much worse I can get and I'm not going to make it again. Like I can feel, you know, you just, it's not right. While during these like three months, um, I found a different doctor, a different mentor, like two people who are understand my condition, um, One of them has had a family history of Crohn's disease and suffers himself with digestive things. The doctor is also an ex-runner, she's a sports physician. And so with all of this, I made the decision to go under these two, ask them, give them my history, and just say, I wanna try something new, please help me. And leave like the old stuff behind and try something different. So just in a little nutshell, not to get into all the medical jargon, Over the last like four months, I've seen tremendous progress with new things I'm trying. And this doctor, um, these two individuals have given me such hope and he said, you are going to run again and we're gonna work towards you running again. Like I said, it's controversial. Um, I'm not allowed to do trail running anymore. That was taken off the cards. It's way too dangerous because if I fall, I can't be that naive. (laughs) I do have osteoporosis, I'm very frail. So it's very dangerous, that alone. (laughs) So, but road running is my passion. And I've been working hard behind the scenes for like these four, four, five months, coming out the moon boot, a little bit of new um, medication, a new like nutrition plan. In the meantime, this new doctor diagnosed me with celiac disease. So I've got two autoimmune conditions, which is also a very bad intolerance to the gluten protein. So that was just attacking my belly and digestive lining even more with the Crohn's. So it's a double whammy just for fun. Um, so with that, um, and my anemia and osteoporosis and the Crohn's and everything else, I've been coming right. I've, well, I've put on a little bit of weight. I'm pink again, not yellow. Um, I've got a little bit of tough sort of hair. Like I say, my bones, unfortunately, with this recent test the last um four months of doing my new protocol, it's too early, they say, to see the results. So hopefully in like when I redo it in a year or two, um, we'll see the results of what I'm doing now. But I can see in myself physically um that I'm improving a little bit. It's not easy. I had a very good three months, and then, for example, the day before New Year's, I got very sick again out the blue. That's just what happens, unfortunately, with Crohn's and autoimmune conditions. It's so hard because it's not predictable. Um, it just flares up and gets triggered, and then I was very ill again. And then you feel like you're starting from scratch. But I know what to do now, and I'm managing it. So that's the health kind of
0: nutshell where I am at the moment. <laughs> Is there anything that you can share already on what you're doing? Maybe for anybody else who, who, who struggles with Crohn's or similar disease, you know, anything that you are doing at the moment in the journey that you can see is helping that you. Same. Luckily, yeah. You know, with me, I've always led a healthy
1: lifestyle and the doctors say that's really helped. I think it's so important for all of us to look after our bodies. It's like they said, it's the only one you'll ever have. And if I didn't have such a good foundation, like they say, I wouldn't have been able to push through as long and hard, and I wouldn't have probably made it. I don't think I would still be standing here today if I hadn't looked after myself for all those years, like before, because your body can only take so much, but I had such a good foundation that I could drive my body all the way literally to the bone. <laughs> oh, there we go again. Yeah. Nutrition is very important obviously for me um, and keeping my blood sugars you know, very even. I'm not someone who likes to follow. I think everyone's different. I'm even different on every day. You know, whatever works for you, good for you. But I've luckily, like I say, it's it's not foreign for me to follow a healthy lifestyle. I like feeling good. I love healthy foods. But because inflammation is a trigger for Crohn's, it is all about inflammation. You've got to keep that down to keep the disease dormant. So it's about keeping your blood sugars even, having, you know, lots of small meals in the day, not spiking your blood sugars. And um, I've had to give in a little bit and go the medical route in that the new doctors have put me on hormone replacement to help the bones because it's so severe now. So I can't be stubborn and say I want to do it all naturally. I am taking hormones now for the bones, and that's for life now. I'm on very high doses of iron. My iron is still, unfortunately, really mysterious. The doctor said I've got no stores still, despite all the... All this I we mean, keep putting in my body is not so they still say, How are you awake for more than 10 minutes? And I'm like, I'm used to feeling this way. You know, I don't know any different. If I went to lie down now, I would sleep probably, but you carry on. So you it's a bit of the medical side, a lot of the nutrition. And then on the lifestyle exercise, being a past runner, you often neglect like the strength work and strength training. So that's what I've had to incorporate now to protect the bones you have to build muscle around them. Not only so that when I fall there's something else to hit the ground before the bones, but to take the pressure off my bones and the tendons. I'm on quite a strict under the doctor, like a strength regime now. And we're working towards running. I have been doing a bit of that impact again. We have to be very careful because before, like I say, my bone could just fracture, but with it being a bit stronger, we're going very slowly. Uh, hopefully as of even this week more breaking news i will be doing my first like road walk jog run like in a year and i'm working towards that again now we're going to monitor it my heart is monitored very strictly by the doctor i can't do anything i send my full heart rate and everything to the doctor on a daily basis so it would be easier lisa if you say like just leave all this. Don't try again. Just sit and play the part and be sick and live with this. Auto- but um, I don't want to do that. And I'm doing it as responsibly as I can. Like I say, I gave up running for the year. I learned a lot in that year. I believe I can come back. I just have to put like the ego side. Obviously, it's never going to look like it did. I'll never be able to run freely. I never was someone who had a watch. I think I'm the only runner who was never on Strava doing Comrades also, I don't don't monitor things. I just did it for the love of it. Mm. And now unfortunately I can't do anything without a watch, heart being monitored, knowing how I'm feeling, what you're burning, like everything because it's quite dangerous. So, and you never know, like I say, one day to the next, what could happen. So it makes me embrace life even more. With this whole journey, as scary as it is, but it is
0: very real. It'll always be there, but I'm managing. <laughs> oh, Debbie. I mean, I think you know people go through so many different challenges sometimes in their lives, and doesn't matter what it is. And then if you talk to somebody like you, <laughs> I feel had an extra dose um from all these things that you've told us about. Um. <clears throat> like you say, I think we can always ask the questions you know why did this happen to me or why this or why now this and why this you know and sometimes I think and I think maybe that's how you think about it as well these journeys are only really with all you go through it's worth it if it can mean something else for people around you it, it's not easy to talk and be so vulnerable about this but I am sure that all these things just give anybody for whatever thing they're going through a bit of hope, like, oh, there's other people also struggling with something. It's not always, you know, just me. And I just <laughs> I just think it's so amazing how you just decide to make the best of the situation. Like honestly, mm-hmm. people will not just some people probably would have already, most people I almost want to say, just have given up and said, oh, I can't run. I can't even walk. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, because if I fall or if I hurt myself, I break a bone, you know, I might die. Um, I can't do this, it's too risky. I can't do this. And you just decided, well, sorry, <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever I can and I'm gonna get the most out of what I can every day. And honestly, maybe that is such a that is such an inspiration. Um Thank you. I can't begin to fully grasp, you know, everything you must have gone through in in all the detail i know this is a high level version i just want to thank you for your for sharing your story and i want to thank you for being so open about it because i trust that this um this channel in your story is gonna get even, it's gonna get to people who you never might have mean something to them you never might know but you might also You know just have people who who might reach out to you how can people get in touch with you how can they follow you I know you you are quite active on sharing very inspirational and I find it very inspirational for myself because the messages you know quite frequently on your social media yes I absolutely welcome welcome anyone
1: um Debbie Ivins it's very simple yes be it Instagram you'll see Debbie.Ivins Facebook um you're most welcome to get in touch with me um that's if i can always say that's what keeps me going is sharing my story um because i think we all battle and by sharing your story you know we all have <laughs> it even helps me keep hope alive if i can just say that and give one more waffle <laughs> about that because um sure throughout this i've questioned often you know like what is the purpose of life like you say it would be so easy to give up um and for me you know my faith in god that is my biggest reason why i still i'm still standing and still here no matter what i'm going through my whole like my whole like prayer is that like i want god to get the glory and for people to see him through me but um that's where my hope comes from and like i say just choosing every day like that's what i tell people (laughs) like um choose every day to have a good attitude like don't wallow in that self-pity it's okay if you do like I've shared I often do but you've got to like decide I'm not going to you know be a victim of my circumstances um I'm going to like be grateful that helps a lot just be grateful go lie on the grass and look at the sky um and the sense of humor like we've mentioned that helps a lot laughter is the best medicine I think friendships very underrated medication that's helped me a lot and I mean that that's why with you saying reach out because people feel alone you are not alone and that's not just the cliche you really aren't you will be amazed how many people are going through what you're going through so please honestly anyone can reach out I'm always there that gives me such purpose I will always make time to share Um, and you know to use your experience I think for me my pain to purpose and It's what keeps me going when it's tough because I have tough days. Like I've said to you just recently, it's not always easy. Um, And it can be lonely even for me. Like I have days where you feel very alone and to navigate this disease is hard. It's still unpredictable. It still is. Um, But things will get better. I believe, like I say, things are getting better. Just like chatting to you now, we would never have met. I would never have done this if I hadn't gone through everything. Um, and this is incredible. So thank you as well for allowing me this platform to share and be vulnerable. And like I say, we must just keep showing up. <laughs> I try to keep smiling, but at the same time, like this medical mentor of mine says like, it's health before performance. And that's also something very realistic, but I think it's a really good one we could all learn from. Like your health is very important. If I don't have my health, then I'm not going to be here mm-hmm. um, to share. So at the same time, always like be addicted to hope. I never gave up hope that I would run again. Something inside me told me, no, like you're, it will it will be. And look, it, it is coming just in a different form. But I'll like probably stumble through it all. <laughs> I mustn't fall. But if I fall or if I get sick or it's not going to like define me, like I'll how can I say, it's like how you respond to everything that matters. And you know, not what is happening as such, like, don't forget the little things um, that you have. Um, How can I say now I'm like, I'm waffling but like to celebrate every season, like you say, like, that's what I've tried to do. That's what I try to embrace. Like everything serves a purpose. Um, and just celebrate every little win. It seems so silly. I'm someone who's done several comrades and now I'm like celebrating that I get to go run jog on the road, you know, like starting again. And, but I have to focus on that, like the progress, not wait for this big end goal again, like celebrate wherever you are in life, like every little journey and don't let those struggles distract you from like the victories and um, maybe just to end <laughs> because I keep thinking of breaking news that I said on here. Like, it reminds me, there's that quote that says, the breaking of you will be the making of you. Um, And I take that to heart. I just saw that now without joke from before. Um, And it'll probably be a stronger you for it. Like, I believe that. Like, life will never be like it was before with me, but I am stronger. And yeah, we're moving forward through that endless tunnel. (laughs) You so are. yeah but like you said yeah sharing we heal as a tribe so I would love to hear from people and no matter what the story like I said pain is universal we all got stuff <laughs> so yeah share your story and yeah
0: you are an amazingly strong person thank mm-hmm. you so much for everything you shared with us today and I really hope that we can see you running very very soon again a proper race and honestly i believe everybody who listened would cheer you on thank you debbie mm-hmm. we have so thank much. you very much thank you for your time Hope to see thank you. you for having me thank you Liesel. thank you so much mm-hmm.